0: Welcome to Beyond the Fail, the podcast where we talk to leaders and entrepreneurs about their biggest business failures. We'll deep dive into how they overcame these setbacks, the lessons they learned from them, all to help you gain valuable insights. Failure is an essential part of the business journey, as well as being the key to success. So we're here to show you how to thrive from it. Natalie Bailey is a former personal trainer, now success coach, mentor, and the host of the Confidence Mastery podcast. She's also a property developer and is currently building a hundred plus units just outside of London. Today, she shares her experiences in starting a new business in a new country, working with an absent business partner, and the personal impacts of when your business struggles with cash flow. This is Beyond the Fail with Natalie Bailey. Thank you so much for being here uh, today. Um, how are you? I'm
1: very excellent thank you very much for having me. I'm very excited finally speak with you. And
0: I think we've got a lot to talk about. Great, well, um, hopefully um, it matches up to your um, expectations. So I suppose just kicking off, um, you've obviously done a lot of different um, things in your life, a lot of different entrepreneurial pursuits. What kind of got you started in the kind of world of business and entrepreneurship?
1: Okay, so um, I'm going to take you back to my childhood, if that's okay.
0: <laughs> go for it. Let's, let's go let's go back.
1: Let's go right back. So when I was a kid, I wanted to go to either Oxford or Cambridge. I loved school. I loved learning. I still love learning. And I didn't know what I was going to study, but I just knew that those that, that were one of the two places that I wanted to go to because that was, they're the best. The best of the best in England, as far as I was concerned. And I was following that path up until I hit form And I just had enough of formal education, being told what to do, where to be. And because of my birthday is October, I I'd passed my driving test, I was 18, had a car, and I'm just like, I'm an adult and you're moaning at me for not being here. Like on time to come and have a free period until you're teaching me some genetic and it's all just okay too much mm. so i just i didn't know what i wanted to do and i thought there's no point in going to uni to get myself into debt and not know what i want to do so i spent the next four years doing a number of different jobs trying to figure out what it was that i wanted to do and i and none of that really sat well. None of it really worked, hence there being about eight jobs in about four years. And in 2011, I was like, right, fuck this, quit my job, got on a plane, and went to Magalus, thought I'll go and find myself. Um, and I found myself in the hedonistic world of Magalus and the whole party scene, and um, which was a very, very interesting period of my life. And... But it was really there in that phase that I saw opportunity for building a business, for making money, doing something you enjoy. Now don't get I, well, I started on absolute peanuts. So I was telling on this the other day. I used to work for 40 euro a night for an eight hour shift that was usually nine or ten and with no break. And we were like absolutely brand packed. And when I think back like now, like what can you even buy for to you like <laughs> and so I saw that as an opportunity to think how can I make more money how can I be paid more how can the bar make more money and for that first year I ended up running that bar in the day as well as the in the evening, I was doing night shifts and then running it myself in the day to, to bring more people through the door and looking at the different kinds of opportunities that our bar could have over others. And then the following year, I went to work with a friend um, in their bar, his bar. Um, they were brothers, hence the there, not because we're multiple pass out too late. Okay. <laughs> I am And there, or people used to come for the experience, like, it was a really good working bar, but, but it wasn't particularly being run very well, as you can imagine, in that environment. And alcohol is just readily available. And mm-hmm. that lifestyle is uh, very... Where mm-hmm. right on Not one conducive to, to good physical or mental
0: health, put it that way. Or business, um, potentially. No,
1: exactly. And I saw that... And, Like, when I saw it not being run very well, I was like, this is not a way to run a business. Like, giving away drinks for free, people not paying their tabs and things like that. So, I felt compelled to help my cred to make the, the business work. So, I learned a lot from that, which made me want to create something more and better with my life than just well, 40 euro a day, what can you do with that?
0: And was that, you know, being in that, uh, I suppose, environment and I suppose earning that probably below minimum wage, was that what drove you to then, you know, look to be entrepreneurial and essentially generate your own uh, income through, you know, starting your own businesses and partnering on businesses?
1: Yeah, because there's a cap. Like, there's a cap on what you can earn when we trade top for money. Mm. And I I just got to the point, I'm like, what I'm doing, and then it was like, I'm doing all of this to somebody else's well. And ultimately, I wanted to take charge of my own life and think about different ways, different avenues, different ways of making money so that I could live a healthier and a better life because you just there's so much opportunity out there and that helped me to see that then go through that and okay well if this is making money what else can we do to bring more money in and it was a big factor in the decision making process like you need money you need to be okay with having earning potential and not thinking of it as greed and I think that's a problem we have in British society of like all the greedy capitalists when actually we need a capitalist society in order for people to to it and to grow and not be part of the state inspired but then you also need people who do just want a job and to know what's coming at the end of the month or whenever payday, paydays,
0: You seeing lots of kind of opportunities, and you always had that kind of I suppose, I suppose mindset, which is, I suppose there's an element of creativity and and sort of idea generation, which is essentially looking, scanning and looking for opportunities, had you always had that? Or was that because you were in that environment and then it made you look at the world a little bit differently?
1: A bit of both. So I used to, uh, when I was in employment in England, like look at ways of how can I increase my salary and within this company legally. (laughs)
0: It's an important word legally, yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And and finding finding ways to do that gave me a lot of creativity. I have always been creative. I have always thought outside the box. When I was a kid I like I wanted to be an actress. And you have to be a little bit creative to, you know, do theatre and put plays together and like I have I used to do that on my nan's house, like putting little shows on, singing and dancing and I'd put, you know put a show on and, and I loved that. So there has always been that creativity. You know, I don't know where that comes from. I don't know if I was born with it. It was just like I think as children, children are creative and they play, and they want to explore and touch things and see what happens, and they go and make friends with other kids in the park. As adults, we don't do that so much. I suppose there's been that element of that childlike creativity of wanting to play and work things out that has stayed with me rather than letting that be diminished from society and the way that we're told.
0: That we're supposed to do them yeah and I I was uh, I was reading a book recently uh I will put the I can't remember the title so I have to put it in the show notes but there was a book I was reading about recently about how the importance of play as an adult mm-hmm. in order to stimulate that creativity because as you said there's there's not enough of that uh, that happens especially in kind of business contexts. actually encouraging you know businesses and, and teams to actually you know um encourage that playful side and that and fun activities in order to then stimulate collaboration and, and creativity i think it's um yeah it's definitely an, an interesting um area which is not i uh, very much sort of undervalued
1: it's out of the utilized as well so the mastermind i run we do extra activities a few times a year they're like for team building they like we went we paintball with you can't get much more playful than trying to shoot people with a, <laughs> with a paintball and, and without, like, with other activities because when you do things like that and you get to know your team better, mm-hmm. so you can then take that back into the boardroom or the business and say, okay, well, you were really good at this part in, in that area, so why can't we then transfer that skill into the business? You know, if you're... Like pain for as an example, because that, that was the last activity we did. Like, are you the one rushing out at the front and then covering the, well, at the back? Or are you are you hiding because you're scared um, and you need the support of others to pull you forward? So you've learned so much by doing these things and you go, okay, let me let me think about that. What's the reason for that? Let me let me take that into my business and and grow the team and the way that we work a lot better and our stuff like upside I'm important.
0: yeah and i suppose the important point point to some of that is that it's then the i suppose the review of some of that early it's like how, you know looking at the learnings you get from even those kind of fun activities which is obviously you know what you kind of do in it sounds like in your uh, masterminds um it sounds like you you went on i suppose you've you've followed a bit of an all uh, i suppose sometimes a, a path that is some people may call alternative um but you know certainly something that you know that only you want to do and you you know i suppose you've there's an element of of kind of confidence of doing that is that something that your family have been supportive of
1: Yes, and my parents are great and like i've got a great relationship with both of my parents and i'm really grateful for that when I said I don't want to go to uni, they were both like, "That's absolutely fine. You need to do what's right for you, your life." And my mum didn't want me to come to New Yorker, but that was partly because she's my mum and she wanted to see me. Mm. So that wasn't uh, trying to hold me back. That was a like just a, a motherly love kind of thing. Whereas my dad, uh, he went, off you go, I'm visiting you in Holland. Yeah, he also loves me very much. Um, and, and said to me, you need to do what makes you happy. And when there's been times where things have gone wrong and I'm struggling, like my dad's always said, I'll I'll never tell you what to do. I can't tell you what to do with your life. And, um, but he wants to listen and is really supportive. And he's like, seeing the stuff that I'll post about and sharing and doing that, he's like, I'm really proud of you. And I know my mum is too, because my mum's my business partner. She's also known as pulled up and so we have a property business together. And she, she now joined the mastermind day as a fund on the retreat. She has a very different background to my alternative as she say it, you know, she's got 20 years of corporate experience to bring to the table. Um, but yeah, like my, my parents are great.
0: Yeah. I mean, it sounds pretty sort of kind of special and, and I would say, you know, Sounds like they're very, um, as you said, supportive and they, they've given you kind of freedom to, I, I suppose, experiment really, and yeah. find your own path. Yeah.
1: yeah, because ultimately like it is my life. So they, they want the best for me. And if they're not understanding why I'm making a choice, then we'll have the conversation of this is why I need to do this, but I need to go and explore. And I, I live in New York, like I said, I went off in 2011 and 12 years later to me, it's still my home. And I know that me being here is so much better for my mental health. Like being by the sea, being able to get grounded, at that spiritual side that I used to think was a complete load of nonsense. And yeah. um, until I got stuck in England with lockdown. So having open conversations and discussions around that is, that means I'm going to be able to be better in the business, even remotely, because my brain functions in, in a better way. And, and being able to do those things and explore that just makes life better. I, just, I can't imagine it any other way.
0: And is that is that something that's sort of given you the, um, I suppose, the kind of, confidence to you know try different businesses and run different businesses obviously you know you said that you you started to run a bar you know a fairly kind of you know young age in a kind of new environment did you ever have any kind of you know fears or or doubts when you were in that kind of i suppose managerial you know leadership position um i know
1: i said this to you earlier like before and i i know i can do anything that I set my mind to. I know that deep inside me because I just have belief. But until you do something, you don't really know. So there is still a, will this work? Will it not work? What if it doesn't work? Moments where you just say, oh, fuck. like, you just you just don't know. But once I start doing something, I know very quickly, one whether I'm going to be good at it. And to whether I want to do it. So I've worked in bars since I was 18 and I know I'm very good at it. I'm very good at giving people a great experience. I'm fast. I can do math. I don't need the tilt. And and people want to come at talk. And that is so running a bar is not just about running a business, it's about giving people that experience. So they want to come back. The people used to come to my friend's bar and say, Nanny, is this your bar? No, you know, why not? Because at that time, I didn't really want the responsibility and all the overhead, but I was able to look at the opportunities in there on how do we make more money here, Because you're running it to the ground, because all you're doing is drinking and partying, while I'm still c- competent enough and capable, whilst I'm drinking and partying, to know that people need to pay the bill. Mm.
0: You said you didn't want to take it on. You didn't want the responsibility and overheads was, but is that a kind of, uh, I suppose, fear or, you know, limiting kind of belief you had at the time?
1: Part of it was, and part of it was not knowing if I wanted to put roots down Mm. and there are, I suppose, commitment issues thing that i'm working on that i've been working on and knowing that is this the place that i really want to be long term back then i didn't know that i was just enjoying myself whereas now i know that media opera is home so i can quite easily say yes i'll take the bottle and run it and run it well but that's not the industry i want to be in does that mean mm. that? yeah
0: yeah no no it does um so it was the yeah. I suppose the commitment issue around, or as you in your words, around, um, around the location more than the business and the activity.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because I didn't. I I was still. I was twenty-two, and I know there are some people that know what they want to do and where they want to live. And up until the age of twenty-one. I thought that anybody who was from London, who didn't want to live in London was fucking crazy. I'm like, why would you want to live anywhere else, Best place in the world? But it's not. So there's so much to explore and to see and to do. And I didn't know where my base wanted to be, but I knew that I wanted to do something more than just work for like when I first started 40-year-old night, which is fucking insane, like, you can't have a good dinner 40 euro a night, Like <laughs> Well, I like to eat well. um. But having the, the tapping into, oh, well, how can we make this work better whilst I am here in this location, that, I was in my area. um, And then there was no you know, if this it doesn't work, do I want to live here? Like Because I love to travel, but yeah, Mallorca is home now.
0: Yeah, so it sounds like you, there was kind of a lot of a kind of uh, I suppose tension uh, in some ways. You're being kind of pulled in uh, you know lots of different directions. So you, um, you know, went on to uh, open a, a kind of gym with a business partner. Um, what kind of early successes did you sort of see in that business? If you did see some successes.
1: Starting out in the fitness world is not not easy and I had to go from life and soul of the party to just being the life and soul of like wanting a better life and that gym was a boxing gym and the boxing side worked really well all the classes that were put on were really great the the boxes that came out of that gym were really great so it had a lot of success from that side the and sawdust side of you know lifting wasn't as great as it could have been, and it took me about a year before I even found a gym to go working. So I had to spend a lot of time like figuring out how to market myself as a PT the new PT, like with no testimonials, I've got no results yet, so I just myself into making myself look the best that I could and be my own walking advert, and um, and then I was looking at this gym of what's what's working well. I the boxing class, the working well, but what isn't, what's not there. So there weren't any other classes for women, for example, like women seem to tend to like the the next arms, and panel classes, or going to an aerobics class, or a fitness class, or strength based class, um. And having that space, like, lots of women don't like to lift weights, whereas that's my, well, my love and my passion. So we added in other things. I like the fitness classes that were well, always joking to men and women um, that weren't just boxing. Or how can I bring more people through the door to the monthly membership? Because mostly gyms make money for people that don't go to the gym. Where. <laughs> there weren't enough of the members to cover the overhead and with without all of the classes. So I, I, I like, I'd have, I would don't want to do it before. So it was, it was a very interesting time going and then thinking, okay, what did I learn from the bar? What other opportunities did we create in the bar to make people keep coming there rather than just getting their drinks? It was the shot girls and other activities and... All, all sorts. The
0: of experience,
1: mm. the experience, exactly. and you know, putting certain nights on. So I was like, well, right, we could do that at the gym. We could have the classes. We give the people the experience, right? But then the, how do you put the monthly membership up if there's nothing extra that you're giving them? Um, and, and that's where that was failing. And also, it was underground, and people don't come to New York to be.
0: But was there? I mean, obviously, it sounds like a, you know, obviously always difficult to get a business off the ground. Did you see any kind of wins, or was it just all kind of struggle?
1: There was mostly struggle, but there were wins when I started to get more clients through the door. When my classes started to take off and people were coming, and when when you coach as a Peter. You don't just give people a physical transformation. You see people's minds change because they become stronger and they become happier. They become more confident. They're able to do more and and have them more energy. And they talk to you about their life and what's going on. My my trainer was online, and the, you know the things he knows about my life are just crazy. <laughs> so me seeing that and seeing the changing people doing that those were huge wins and that started to bring more revenue in because i'm then enjoying that more wanting to help more people and and seeing like i say seeing more people come through the door those were the way like setting the classes up like figuring out how to how to function media this was 10 years ago mm. it's, it wasn't as easy to to market then, I don't think as snap. And um, so we did leafleting, we did like events. And mean so I was like, bring your friend, like, come to your first class for free, bring a friend, like all sorts of things around that. And so it, we created a nice community. There was a nice community of people at that gym, especially from the boxing side.
0: It's um, similar to the bar, I suppose.
1: Yeah, exactly. And they come for the functional interaction. And that's why people tend to choose one place over another is the the, the experience and the community they get. And that's something that I now really understand, especially like in the entrepreneurial world, in the business world, you're it's often a very lonely space. Mm. So if you create your team and a nice community or you're a part of something else like a mastermind that gives you that and feed you that needs, human you know, connection. Because ultimately, you know, human beings, we, we've we always lived in tribes and then we're pushed apart and we create something new as an entrepreneur that maybe our families don't understand, but who do we talk to? So it can be very, you so I've really learned the importance of community value and giving people that experience. One from the bar, two from the gym, and then three from being, being mentored and being parts of the communities myself, and it's a huge thing that I'm very.
0: Yeah. No. Absolutely. And you know, you're right. And you know, the sort of sense of community in in, um, in in the world and in the sort of societies is definitely you know eroded, you know, quite significantly over time. So, what did the the failure in this? this gym kind of looked like and I suppose second question after that is why is it or why has it been the most significant kind of failure of your kind of I suppose career
1: yeah so all of those learnings like I used to look at failure as you you, you fail like that's it that's it like there's There's nowhere to go from here. But actually, when that didn't work, to be creative and to go, okay, what are the best ways? What are the best routes to market? So thinking about that all went to shit because of somebody else not turning up. Is the are the people that are coming into the business the right people? Do they want to be there doing three classes a week at six to eight pm, and underground? Are they they a part of the team? Are they helping you market and like you need to, and helping to cultivate that community value driven, um, business, which I've taken into, into other things like working with the right people and ensuring that your values are that you don't morally aligned and that you're happy to to work together in that if i'm putting hundred percent in i need hundred percent from you not someone who's just going to show up every now and then and take half the money I that's not a fair exchange about value. so it taught me a lot in that respect that have i answered the question
0: yeah it was uh, yeah you you, you have I, I suppose i would like to understand a little bit about yeah what that actual failure kind of looked like, and uh, what was the the moment you knew that it was? I uh, kind of, I think you know, because the business ultimately shut down, didn't it? Uh, yeah, what? Yeah, uh, when did you kind of know that? Yeah, this is kind of over.
1: Um, when I had to get another job because, like, it just wasn't enough people coming through the door. So I actually ended up working, running the gym, doing my classes, having my PT clients, opening, closing, cleaning, and then working in a restaurant in the evening, five nights a week, and then having another full-time job. I was doing like three, yeah. three jobs, basically. And I was exhausted. And the effort that I was putting into the gym One wasn't being reciprocated and I just was like, I cannot keep doing this. And when my mum passed away in the August of 2016 and I'm working, like I flew back and I'm working in the duty-free at the airport, knowing I'm going back to the gym. And I just sat on the bathroom floor and cried because I just couldn't live my life like this. I just loved my mum and things were just falling to shit basically. And I just thought this this needs to end. It was like, right, I'll see this out to the end of the season and then I need to reassess and really think about what is it that is gonna bring me joy because that really made me see that life is far too short to be working. I'm also, supposedly living the dream um in Mallorca and then the reality was I was working three jobs, so just lost of
0: yeah, I mean, obviously, the three jobs isn't you know sustainable, uh, and then was it the because obviously that's a combination together. Do you think it was the sort of passing of your nan that made you kind of reevaluate, or were you kind of reevaluating anyway, or did you not have enough space and um, you know time to kind of think, you know, this isn't working. If
1: there wasn't a lot of time. Sort of thinking because it was one thing to the next and whilst I loved the gym absolutely adored it it like I say I wasn't getting the support I needed to make it work properly and therefore I had to go and get those other jobs and obviously it then making me think well what what's the point in all of this like what what is life really about but My nan passed away. I lost all of my grandparents in the space of four years. So that took its toll, and it was that, because we were in a hospital with my nan, she's got four children and lots of grandkids. and I was the only grandkid that chose to be there, because I I was very close. Not that they weren't tagging them off at all, but I wanted to be there. And so in her last moment, she had her family around, And she wasn't alone. And I thought, if I carry on living how I'm living, I'll probably end up dying miserable and lonely. And it was that was really the the catalyst for my mum and I to decide to do something together and to create something, a better life, so that, you know, we're not both miserable and lonely. She's working all the hours under the sun and miserable Mm -hmm. too. I really realized that life's too short to be miserable by losing people. And that was just like, okay, like something needs to change. I will, well, I will make something different and I will make my grandparents proud.
0: And it's interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, I think from a outward perspective, if you're not kind of running a business it sometimes and specifically, you know, maybe being in, you know, in Mallorca, it sounds very lavish, right? It sounds like a lavish lifestyle. I'm running a I'm running a gym. It all sounds great, and I'm sure on social media it all looked great as well. But you know, as you said, it can be a kind of lonely place. Um, and you you talked about the sort of lack of of support. What support did you need, and why isn't it you know you weren't getting it?
1: I don't know if he lost the love of the gym or for, for running it's
0: his... His business partner.
1: Yeah, like, I just... He had another business as well. It's almost like this was a hobby. It became a hobby to him that he was then no longer interested in, whereas we needed to think about investment, updating equipment, and running ads, and, like I say, bringing people through the door. And I just loved being there when I'm training people and obviously training myself and that wasn't like she did all on that so uh, how can I how can I how could I get the support for making these changes and implementing all of this stuff if you have not on board which is why it is so important to make sure that you are working with people that you're alive with that you know that want ultimately the same goal or similar outcome and I really wanted that to work and I put so much into it, but it it didn't and it couldn't.
0: How did you get into business with him? Like, how did you meet him and why did you go into kind of business together rather than maybe doing it alone?
1: Um, Well, a friend of a friend. And after I did my Beneath Retainer, I was doing that for about a year before going into that with him and since so he was looking for someone basically to run it because like i say i think he'd lo- lost the love of running it and couldn't do it because he was running another business and so for me i thought this is a great opportunity to build something not knowing at the time that his heart wasn't in it properly anymore and so when it's a friend of a friend i guess there wasn't enough due diligence done
0: Is that something you regret?
1: I don't believe in regret. I believe in learning. And if I hadn't had that happen, I wouldn't know what to look for in people now.
0: And what is that? What what in terms of you know how you now make assessments on who to go into business with and who not? What what does that now look like? It's
1: like the conversations, knowing people for a long enough period of time and um, asking, you know, what kind of life do you want? What does this business look like to me in, in five to ten years' time? Can you imagine still liking me in ten years' time? I'm support. It is important, and it's there that level of respect, like will we enjoy doing this together
0: mm.
1: as opposed to, okay, I need to make some money and you need to make some money. Let's, let's give this a vote. So, figure and then figuring out the roles and responsibilities, like who's doing what? Because otherwise, if I'm giving 100% and you're giving 50% and you still off 50% of our money, that's not a fair extended value. That's not a okay. fact. So, yeah, really spending time. Like, Are our goals or not? Like, if this goes wrong, what? Well, how will we solve this, this particular problem? Like, putting those scenarios into a conversation. And making sure that you're aligned with unsolved problems like if you're somebody who puts your head in the sand and does nothing about it and expects me to do everything else that's not gonna work i need somebody that's going to be all in right like, which is why i work with my mom so good because like we can't we can't get away from each other
0: <laughs> yeah and you know your values align as well yeah is there do you think there's a um because it sounds like, you you know, you've got a really good set of um, kind of criteria there. Is that something that you would or have looked, you know, for your mentees, for example, to for them to kind of formalize, you know, because you could you could have that in a conversational form, you know, with a potential business partner. You could do it in a, I suppose, a more formalized way, like having some kind of like questionnaire to fill in. have you done any have you gotten examples of how you've you've kind of implemented that um that set of principles
1: so when you go into business with a new person i would highly recommend that you have heads of terms together and that you agree so you can have an informal conversation but you put pen to paper and you contract it because if things do go wrong you need to have that cover for yourself and and they need that too and that's just a smart thing to do because um, I've done that before. We haven't done that. And then things haven't worked out because people think that you're supposed to be doing one thing and you think they're supposed to be doing it. But that's, that's not going to, you know, doesn't doesn't work like that. So conversation, conversation, and then contract, to terms.
0: Yeah. I mean, it should be taken seriously. And obviously it's about managing expectations, but as you say, providing that that kind of clarity over, um, you know, who's responsible for what, and then allowing accountability to be, um, you know, focused and and clear um, about who who's kind of doing what. So, what did the the closing down or of the or the pulling out of that business kind of look like? How what kind of happened around that? Um... I said
1: I can't do this anymore. I will work up until this point, and and then that's it. So we closed up the accounts, and it's not now open. I, I don't think I can't remember exact dates, but I think I finished the season, so the summer season, and and just said, oh, "Look, it's not working. It's not. It's not making enough money." And um, for, for both of us, you're clearly not in it. I had that conversation and that was then no more. And I think I went back to me for a bit to spend some time with my mom. She just lost her mum, Yeah. So I wanted to be there and support her for a few months. And then when my great uncle passed away Christmas Day, we were like, you know, and then we went to an and about in this January, um, property event, and that's where things cemented and moved on to the next phase.
0: Um, and how did your how did your yeah, business partner take that conversation when you said this isn't working? I don't want to do this anymore. It's kind of it's like a breakup conversation, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think he was kind of a bit relieved right. because, like I say, about like his heart wasn't in it, and like not turning up to run sessions, and it's like. Wait, you're the you're the boxing trainer, and I've got a range when I was like thirty to forty. That I can do. There's so much I can do. There's still fitness in boxing. I'm running, but I can't teach it. Train it. Train it. I I enjoy the, the training, but I can't teach someone. That. I can't. Like that wasn't that wasn't right for me to do. But like, I'm I can run on circuits classes, and they hated it actually because my circuits were always the worst. You know,
0: fucking El Natalie. It it's, too, it's too intense for them.
1: Yeah, no, well, I'm, I made sure that people got what they needed. Of like, you're here to get fit. Like, you don't quit. Um, But, yeah, he, he's an absolutely lovely guy and really, really nice man. So I don't want to take anything like that away from him. But, I, yeah, I think she was a bit relieved. Was he surprised at all? A little bit, a little bit, but I think I also, because I, I, you know, I said, I am like, have just lost my hand, I am breathing. This isn't working. Um, so yeah, I think he he was a bit surprised.
0: And did he try to convince you otherwise? Did he try and, you know, sort of say, oh, we can make this work and turn it around? No. So it sounds like he was kind of resigned to it, and he's, yeah,
1: yeah, I just don't think he wanted to do it anymore. That's, there was like, so many like other factors that I think he just had another baby, so his time was short. Like bringing other people in and other boxing trainers who I'm still in touch with, and one of them is now at the gym that I go to, and setting up his own boxing gym somewhere close by on the island. And, and he said the same thing, like, he didn't want to be there with someone who didn't want to be there. Mm. So, I think me saying, I, I can't do this anymore for this, that's why that was it gave him permission mm. to go, I'm not doing this anymore, because I don't think he... I don't think he wanted to let people doubt because, like, the box side of it is fantastic. But if your heart's not in it, and someone goes, "I, oh, I, I can't do this anymore," I'll be leaving at this point, and you're like, you're like it's like a fire, really.
0: Mm. Yeah i I think that I think you're completely right. I think it is, you know, as you say, it's it's, it's you know, kind of similar to breaking up with someone. You know someone's got to do it and someone's got to have that hard conversation but even though maybe you know it sounded like you got to that that point in it that both people actually wanted it but he didn't maybe want to have that conversation or even face face up to it was anyone else impacted by the closure of that business all the people that went to the gym <laughs> was there any staff or any you know other kind of suppliers or as well as obviously all the clients
1: and um, there were, yeah, I mean like a couple of other trainers, they had to find new new places to train, so take people to, um, I don't know that in this area that there's, there's any other boxing classes that were set up for quite a number of years um, and then I suppose the building, um, passing around the building, so their rent cleaners all of those like, different bits and pieces because I tried to bring in all sorts of extra stuff like the towels and printing shakes and all sorts of other bits and pieces that you apparently need extra, extra licenses for and food and beverage and all of that so that was something that he wasn't on board with because you have to spend money to make money. Mm. Um, Oh, yeah so there's a few a few people that were let I suppose let go let down um mainly to be honest the the people that came
0: and uh, did you have any did you meet anyone or speak to any of those kind of clients and how it may how that then impacted on you know their lives
1: well I said I was um, I, I can't I say, I can't remember how long after it was that I left that the gym actually financed. So I didn't actually need to have many conversations other than with my clients, like my personal clients. And they all understood from the perspective of, like, I need to go in the past of my mum for a bit. They understood that. and
0: Did that make that easier? Because obviously you had a very... I suppose unrelated business reasons again to actually to kinda of leave. Did that yeah. make those conversations easier?
1: Much easier. And rather than like just just saying that this isn't working, we're closing down. I mean some people they do understand that because running a business is difficult and it takes a lot more than most people like, do understand. And so yeah, I mean you know fighting personal reasons, mm. it is a much easier conversation than, like, going into administration or liquidation.
0: Yeah. And what would you say that the kind of key factors were behind that, that business kind of folding and, and, you know, ultimately kind of failing, I mean, you, you've kind of touched upon a, a you know, a few different ones, but I suppose, is there any sort of, yeah, kind of real key ones in your mind?
1: I think some of it is, some of it was not not charging the right level for like membership and to cover the overhead. So there needs to be analysis on what are the overheads? What do we need to bring in? And I don't think that was done in order to make it sustainable. Because whilst I made good money on classes and the PT, the running of the gym ultimately comes down to, to memberships. And that analysis, And um, like I say, wasn't done and a huge learning to have, and if it wasn't, if that had happened, maybe we'd be having a very different conversation. i would be doing something very, very different. Mm. Um, and knowing like the, 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 like, yeah, cross it ups, Like you, you need to know what's coming in, what's, what needs to be covered. Um, and if what's been going out isn't being covered, you need to work out how to cover that. Because if I'm then subsidizing through my own clients to run the gym, but uh, other person isn't, you're not on the same page. So
0: there's a real kind of lack of, I suppose, financial management, really.
1: Yeah, I am like, I mean, cash flow forecasting and all of the things that you need in order to run a successful business, and which is something I now do. Mm. So that's been, you know, a stage learning for me on, on that side of things. And so we now run things with better financial sense. Mm.
0: And you talked about marketing as well and sort of like how much of an impact did a, uh... I suppose a lack of marketing strategy or investment have on on that business.
1: Well if you don't know that was the other thing like who should target market? I didn't know about specifically because there's two sides to the gym. So here he's trying to get through the door and not having that plan what what do we need? To be telling people what kind of things do we need to be sharing to help bring people through the door to get them excited to to know that this is the place that they they want to come to. You know why us and and that's a really key thing in any marketing is you know why should the people choose you over someone else that is similar or you know could be a different amount of money. So some people, it's price. Whereas I'd rather pay more money to go to the gym I currently go to than the cheaper one, because I really like the people in the community and I'd rather help to make somebody like the guy who runs this gym. I'd rather have put money in his pocket than like a big chain. So it's knowing and understanding your customers, who your customer base are and mapping out and all your marketing, how much is it going to cost? What needs to be covered? how do we
0: reach these people That definitely with it and obviously you know a couple of those points i suppose now thinking back at it you know being sort of a seasoned business person is it, some of that just because it was a, a very steep learning curve you were new to business uh you know you obviously your business partner wasn't very kind of supportive um do you sort of see it as 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 that do you do you wish that you'd had more kind of i don't know sought more advice or support at the time um
1: yeah yeah like if i'd had a mentor a proper mentor that had run a profitable gym that could have changed everything because like we do property development now and we wouldn't be able to do that we just converted a twenty thousand square foot building like you can't do that without the right support so i i know i now know how to run a gym and i have spoken about opening another gym because it is such a passion of mine and i was going to do that last year and then again realized location where do i want to be I, i i it was where am I putting my roots because i just spent some time in Barbados and then London and then I'll move back here. And so that hasn't happened yet. So if I were to do that, I would get help and support from one of my mentors, actually who is Gerald Ratner, who did open a health club. So we were going to, to open one together I would, do, I would start. Um but again location with that is everything. Um
0: So do you think, I mean, was there any um, sort of elements looking back where you, you know, you you kind of took yourself as personally responsible? You made a kind of mistake, or was it, I suppose, all just part of the sort of circumstances at the time? And there was lots of different factors that led. Was there anything that you felt that you should have done differently? I feel I
1: could have done a lot more differently in like. Looking at and seeking help or looking at other gyms. How do they buy How do they make money? And rather than from a PT head of oh, more clients equals more money, and and that way, I could have done something different and, and to make the space more inviting for people. And although obviously I spoke to everybody that came in there, I made friends with them and and things like that, I suppose asking asking the client, what do you want from this shoe? And which is something that I now do. I my mastermold, what do you want from it? <laughs>
0: yeah. So customer, yeah, customer surveys, understanding your target market more.
1: Yeah. Um, and that that may have made it more successful and just, I suppose, asking for more help Uh, if I'd done that, which, again, is something now I'm not afraid to ask for help because you can't do everything on your own and you you can't know what you don't know and whilst, you know, you can learn on the job, put me in a bar, I know exactly what I'm doing. I know how to run a bar. I tried to apply the principles because the principles are the same, but there was, there was some disconnect and that's, again, that's why right. it did work and yeah, if I if I could do it again back then, I would definitely have sought my mentors help and done some better low forecasting.
0: Well, there's some, I think some really great learnings from that. Um... What else did you learn from this experience and you've since kind of, um, used, utilized that, those lessons in your approach in kind of business?
1: Yeah. So mainly it's, it's about the people. and um, and if the numbers don't work, it, the numbers don't work. Like maths doesn't lie. People lie, maths doesn't lie. Um.
0: I've always and when there. you say the numbers, what are you kind of referring to? Is that like forecast? Is that property deals? What what is it?
1: Yeah. So when we look at property deals, we need to look at all of the things that you need to pay out for. So you've got your professional things, your build costs, your purchase price, and your sales fees, your exit fees, your cost of finance. Like that's just. A few things. So there's so much that goes into it. So you need to know what all of those are in order to know what you can offer for the building or the land. And you need to know what the end balance balance be and if there's enough profit margin in it, once you've paid off all of those people and, and all of those things. So if I'd looked at the gym like like that. Like I said a bit, what are all of the things that are, what are the outgoings? What do we need to bring in? Then I would have had a better understanding of where the business was at and making sure that you're reviewing those things constantly. And because you can think something works, you can go, yeah, that'll be all right. you have done a rough estimate, but actually when you dig deeper and you do the math properly, that's when you know when it's really going to work, not just hope value. Like you need to know the real value and are the customers going to come through the door if it's like well, a product or service-based business, or I have to do the same thing with like my masterminds, my retreats, they cost a lot of money to run. So if I'm not looking at those things, I don't know what to charge, what's the value, what's the value exchange and it's not just like fucking a number out you know you know you can't pick the apple off the tree and it 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 works
0: and i mean it sounds like you've learned a lot in terms of those you know particularly around the sort of financial side which is obviously you know fundamental in in both property and, and you know and in business in general um so what what has been your, I suppose, biggest accomplishment in in your business career, or the thing that you're kind of most proud
1: of? Um, there's a few things. So our our property development, our, our most recent project, um, has a GDP of just over six million, wow. and that's just giving me goosebumps. I'm I'm a no one from Southeast London. And if, if we can do that, anyone could do anything. Um, but like I say, we have support and, and also running my retreat. So I've just finished the third one. Um, because I see such changes in people that that gives me so much joy to see their success and their desire and their hunger. So being able to help them through their issues, knowing that I've had tons of them, because we teach health, wealth and happiness, and that's really important because you are not just your business, your, your relationships are important, your health is important, and and all of that plays into how you run a business. So. When I'm on form and my health's better, and I mean, to be fair, I am that disciplined with my training up there. I'm not sure you can't fault me with that. But you're looking at your nutrition and your sleep and everything else, how your brain functions works better when you're getting good quality food. And you are sleeping right, or you're talking to people, like you're talking through your experiences and your problems. So I'm really proud of the community we've created in running those techniques in the mastermind, coming from a place of, I never knew what the fuck to do before. I didn't have any help and that I'm able to help people now and does make me really proud. And I know that my grandparents will be looking down and or up as long being happy for me in that.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, that's, um, yeah, the treat sounds uh, amazing. How is those accomplishments, do you think, sort of directly kind of link back and correlate, you know, from, you know, that failure and that business ultimately not working? Is there anything that you can, you know, you can see about how, you know, essentially that failure has helped that success?
1: Yeah, because it's made us think about who the right people are to be around and, and I, I cringe at the your network is your network phrase because it's a little crap but relationships are so important and being able to have difficult conversations especially when you're talking about multi-millions you need to be able to have the confidence to have difficult conversations and if i'd spoken up earlier in that gym that may have been very different and not, I suppose, not running away from the difficult conversations. And now we sit down, we have them, even if it's awkward and it feels horrible, right, it's important to give yourself space and permission to have certain conversation.
0: Is that difficult conversations with, you know, your mum as a business partner or is that with with clients and investors? Who's that kind of with?
1: All of the awards. So me and my mum, we we meet, whether I'm in England or she's here. Like every Monday we have business strategy meeting and tasks to do and what's working, what's not and investors, because things overrun, you have to be open and honest about what's going on or if you're able to pay people back early, that's, that's wonderful and but being open about what's going on. Um if they have been the names of problems and, you know, with with other business partners because I do have other business partners and then with my clients, like, you're telling me you want this, but you, you haven't done this work and you're not showing up what the fuck is going on, like, in knowing whether it's the kick they need or the cuddle. So I do both, I give them a kick and a cuddle, so you need to know and and recognise people and understanding the psychology of people and people's brains and the way things work is massively going to help you with your business and the relationships that you have because if you're not able to work people out or work things out when things are going well you're desperately not able to when they go they're not going well
0: and taking that point you just said is sort of about understanding yourself What did you learn about yourself in the sort of the lowest point that you were talking about earlier, you know, obviously when it all got a bit too much and obviously you had that bereavement, what did you kind of learn about yourself at that particular kind of moment or, you know, coming out of that? Well,
1: I am strong, I am powerful and it's okay to take a step back, um, and, and know that you, you, I'm not a failure as a human being that one thing didn't work because of these reasons and seeing myself in a light that meant that I was open to opportunity to learn that I knew before from having loved school but had lost that, so bringing back worked well, as we said earlier about element of that child which way um, and allowing that creativity to flow and to come back.
0: Did it um, like knock your kind of confidence at all and was it sort of a setback to, to that? Did it give you kind of more doubts about oh I, you know maybe I can't do this business venture and it's business like maybe this not it's not for me was there any kind of stories you were telling yourself at that point
1: there was some was like i should fuck's sake sounds like something else gone well swearing yeah yeah i mean i do swear, swear a lot and it's just part of I am. but it made me think of. You know, well if not this then what else more than anything like, what can i what can, what can i do what do i want to do how can i do it confidence is something that is in everybody and you'll always have a crisis of confidence at some point And when things fall apart and they fail, it's natural and normal to feel shitty and to think, what, just what, like, and feel sad and feel that grief because it hasn't panned out the way you want it to. But never once did I think, okay, I'll move back to England and get a job. I was. Oh I I got other jobs that summer here thinking that would get me through to this point, then how do we make something else work? Like? So that I knew that I'm I'm not the employable type anymore. <laughs> and it has to be on my terms. And like I said, I never once thought, okay, well I'll just I'll just get a full time job again and Is that doesn't make me happy, so I'll find what does make me happy, and that is where my confidence comes from.
0: And when you sort of face challenges and setbacks now, what helps you to maintain a sort of you know positive mindset? Is it everything you just mentioned, or is it something? There's other things.
1: Yeah, there's that, and knowing that I now have people that I can pick up the phone to and say. Like, this is going wrong, how do we solve this? And, and again, taking that time out. So before I've been mean, like, go, 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 which I, put, I am very go, go, go. But knowing that if I don't step back to it, do something else and then come about with a better frame of mind, then I'm never going to solve the problem. You can't solve the problem with the same level of thinking that created it. So allowing myself to go nah not right now and then come back to me and i was like well made a huge difference because like my brain's always on
0: so do you mean like taking some time out and and maybe doing something fun or doing some exercise is that space that allows you to be in a better frame of mind to then yeah. deal with the problem
1: yeah because otherwise you're just in it and you can't see it it's like it's, it is a see, it's overwhelming you can't see the good for the tree sometimes so you have to just go for a walk or i'll go back to the gym or hire a friend or watch something that makes you laugh to change your state of mind because you, your 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 body doesn't function just through being in a state of panic or a state of stress so when you change your physiology by doing something fun even though you probably think, "Well, I'm not going to enjoy it, so what's the point?" Once you start doing something, you you do start to re- you do tend to start to enjoying it, and like smiling, just smiling, it tricks the brain into thinking you happy, and it's you start to feel different. Like and then smiling at other people and laughing,
0: it's that fun and play thing that we were talking about stimulating creativity earlier as well, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and it does wonders for you and it just makes you a better human being.
0: Which is the first point, in you know, to being a better human being and being in a, a positive frame of mind is obviously crucial to then being able to run a business effectively.
1: Yeah, and knowing that things are going to mess up and there will be failures, but you can come back from it. Just apply those learnings and those like, things... Then you know. Okay, that does that hasn't worked. Why hasn't it worked? Like I'm, I'm a good person. I'll find a solution. Mm. Just being kind to yourself, but not going. Oh, I'm. So I want to throw the towel in one thing didn't like.
0: Is I mean that sort of segues nicely onto the question of what advice would you give to new entrepreneurs about how to handle the fear of failure? Yeah, it's going
1: to happen. So just accepting it and accept that it is a part of life and it will teach you so much more than if you just constantly are successful. And without those failures, you will just either stay stuck and not move forward, but you'll never really understand and experience life and what life has to offer. Because the moments that where failure happens they teach you so much about yourself and you can become stronger and more confident and more successful by knowing that failure is okay and that it will happen and just accept it. And and that gives you power. That gives you so much power.
0: I think that's, that's you know, that is great and powerful advice. Um, and, a different kind of question, but, you know, in some ways similar, and I think you may have touched on it a little bit, but what advice would you give to listeners who might have experienced a significant setback in their business recently? Ask
1: for help. Like, you, as we said, right? You can't, you can't do anything on your own, but like, you can't run a restaurant without waiters and chefs and the bar starch and cleaners. So how can you expect to run a business all by yourself? So getting that support, whether that's through a mentor a business partner or an employee, and making sure that you are just on board with the right people and make sure you're constantly reviewing, and because you can't, again, another quote, you can't master what you don't measure, and it's the same with like the gym and tracking your food and tracking your lifts and making sure that you're doing more than last week. Because if you like, like if I'm on a cut, right? If I don't write it down, I don't know what I've eaten and if I've hit my back rows Because I'm like I d I do don't know. And if I don't want to write it down, it doesn't go in my mouth. Like <laughs>
0: And, that, and yeah, and, that, and that's true. And obviously, it's back to your, in some ways, similar to what you said earlier about, um, you know, the in your gym business, the finances weren't kind of being tracked. And obviously, how do you know, particularly around cash flow and particularly around, you know, new businesses and cash flow, cash flow is what kills them. So, you know, if it's not being kind of tracked and those kind of key numbers are being tracked, how do you know if you're on the brink of bankruptcy or not?
1: Exactly. You have to track everything, everything, like down to the penny, and it doesn't make you a penny pincher. It makes you smart. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. And you, and you just circling back to the advice you gave. You talked about getting support uh, for a, a mentor or taking on a member of staff. I suppose. What about those, those kind of solo entrepreneurs who are, in some ways, thinking, "Well, that's going to cost me money." I don't have much money, so I, you know, my very little amounts of money in my business, you know, I haven't got enough to spend it on a member of staff or a mentor. What would you say um, in response to that?
1: It's an investment in yourself and your business, and there are always ways. And I do understand that it can be a difficult decision, and I know that if I didn't take money out of my business to invest back into myself and my business, I wouldn't be able to grow. So if it's a case of there isn't currently enough coming in, think about how you create more income to cover that and and start off small. You don't have to suddenly come up with like 50 grand to invest in something. You can you can join free Facebook communities, you can go to networking events, you can find people and accountability bodies to talk to, listen to podcasts, and and take all of that, get creative on that making that extra income, and then you can invest it in the right with the right people and the right mentors for it.
0: And obviously on the staff front there's various ways of of you know getting staff on a you know contracting basis or using fiverr uh for example places like that that you're testing uh and doing it in a more low lower cost and lower risk way before you take the funds of getting new new staff on
1: or like full-time someone doesn't have to be full-time think about what are the tasks that you're currently doing that you could give to somebody else so that you can then spend that time doing better income generating stuff. so you can get a va for example to help with your social media and your admin and your emails and all of the things that take time away from you doing the things that actually make money um and you you can get them on a contract basis as well so like they invoice you for the work they've done so you just again that cash flowing um and then if you've freed up some like five hours maybe you can spend those five hours making a lot more money so it's, it's i I'm not the you know as a bit of a catch-22 you kind of have to do it a bit before you're ready to but that then gives you a bit more drive to go and make more, more money because you have to
0: yeah oh, i mean I, all the, the sort of you know business people and entrepreneurs that i've heard speak they all say one of their biggest regrets is not getting staff early enough. Mm-hmm. They all they all say it. it's such a pattern. So, last question: If you could go back in time and erase that failure and that business, you know, business closing down from happening, would you do that?
1: No, because I wouldn't know all the things I know now. And um, would I have liked it to have worked? Yes. I suppose that's a different question but I like who I am now and I like what I'm doing and I like that I've now got a much bigger purpose than just that one gym and having that and knowing that is better than that one gym just having one
0: brilliant so I've just got a quick fire round of questions now. So obviously Uh-oh. quick fire round and quick fire answers. So I'll just start um now. So failure is
1: inevitable.
0: What is your life's mission?
1: To help people to be more confident in themselves in order to have a successful life. And um, yeah.
0: Any more to that? As...
1: There's so much I could say here. Um to empower people to to live and not just exist. And I never thought that I could be somebody like that. I and mean, that's not egotistical. That is getting that feedback from people. That if I'm not doing this, I'm not helping those people and those people's lives are out and not as good as they, they could be, um, but giving people the confidence to give themselves permission to be successful in their health or their happiness is what I'm meant to do.
0: What's one piece of advice you will want to give on your deathbed? Um, do
1: more of things that make you happy. Cause life's too short to be miserable. I
0: think that's perfect. What's one habit that keeps you resilient?
1: Going to the gym every day, even when I don't want to, and it's rare that I don't want to go to the gym, but I am that disciplined with that, that it tells me if I can do that to my body, I can do that in other areas. So having that discipline create so much resilience in every area of my life.
0: If you could be immortal, would you do it? No. Why?
1: I'm terrified of what the world has to hold in the future with AI and all sorts of things and agendas and uh, no.
0: (laughs) What's one surprising fact that not many people know about you?
1: I had to song the at the Globe when I was 15.
0: Well, that is a good one for the CV. Uh, and who can you recommend as a guest that I should get on the podcast?
1: All oh, Gerald Ratner.
0: Perfect. Um, but he would definitely be a, a good one. He's had lots of ups and downs, I think, from what I understand about him. Has. why do and you think he well, yeah and why do you think he would be a good guest
1: well he's been on our podcast twice and he is also a business partner so we run an online mentoring group and that meets every week and he says the people that fail end up being more successful and people want to hear turnaround stories if you are just successful all the way along people aren't interested in that and he talked about his failures and his shortcomings with humor and humility and he said that he's happier now than he was when he had everything he didn't appreciate it so all of the failings and all of the learning like he's, he's an amazing
0: world to talk to he sounds absolutely the kind of ideal and perfect guest for this so yeah thank you for the recommendation so um yeah, Natalie. Where where can people find you and connect with you?
1: And um, my name on all social media is Natalie Arabella Bailey. I've got a long red hair. And you cannot miss me. Um, so then if you go to my link tree forward slash Natalie Arabella Bailey. All the links are in there. And um, my podcast is in support, but it's not so called confidence mastery. If listen to that.
0: Amazing. Well, um, really appreciate your time and for all of the um, honesty. Uh, and insight that you've shared today um and i'm sure listeners will get um huge learnings from this so yeah thank you for your time and for being here again
1: well thank you so much and and it's been really good to revisit this stuff and on a personal level and start to think about other things and i I literally yesterday put a business plan together for something new so this has given me so much this has given me so much as well. So thank you very much. I appreciate
0: you. Amazing. Well, hopefully you've got your cash flow forecast sorted for that business and uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we're all looking forward to hearing what that uh that kind of looks like. So um yeah, thank you. Uh thank you, Nestle. My
1: pleasure, thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to Beyond the Fail. Really hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something new. Please do subscribe to the show and leave us a review. It really does help us to grow and to reach more people. Do follow us on social media too. We're at Jeswood on Instagram and at Beyond the Fail on YouTube and also on Linktree. Thanks again, and see you soon.